0: pray
1: together tonight. Lord, we thank you that we can gather tonight. I pray for the teen group and I pray that you just meet with them in a special way tonight. I pray for the children that are at the park right now. Lord, we pray for safety and a great time for the kids and we just pray that you would continue to bless the outreach to the families in our community. Lord, I pray that uh, just your hand would be on that ministry tonight. We pray that you touch the hearts of the children as they hear the word of God. We're just so thankful, Lord, for um, for how you've brought them to us. Help us to help us to serve you, serve them. And then I do pray for our group here tonight, the adult group. I pray that as we look at the Word, that our hearts and our minds would be open and attentive. I just pray that all of us, when we finish tonight, will just sense that we've given you the praise and honor that you deserve. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right, kids, uh, teens are dismissed. And the adults we'll take our Bibles and find mark chapter 4 tonight all right we've only got a couple of weeks left in this study and I've really enjoyed it I hope you have as well so we are if you'll notice the the lesson we've done six of the discussions there's seven discussions but the day away is uh, we're going to do it a little bit differently in the in the course it's designed to you take a whole day, it's almost like a field trip, and you go through some things. So we didn't have the logistics to make that one happen. So we're just going to take it in two parts, and we're going to make two evenings discussion of what's intended to be the day away. And it's really a... The other sessions have been kind of informative. Of course, they've been thought-provoking. But the, this, these next couple of weeks, this week and next week, are really more introspective. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture, and the goal is for us to think about how we process the what we know about Jesus, what we've learned about Jesus. And wouldn't you know that Jesus himself gave us the tools for that, and it's in a parable. So we're going to look tonight at a parable. If you're not sure what a parable is, a parable is just a very simple story. It's like an illustration. Like, imagine if this happened. And in that story, there is a spiritual lesson that we're supposed to learn. So it's an example. And so that's what Jesus is about to do. So let's look together at Mark 4, and we're going to begin in verse number 1. Mark 4 and verse 1. The Bible says this, And he began to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. Let's engage our, this is a story of with detail and setting and scene. Let's engage all of our imaginary senses, if you would, at this moment. How many of you are ready to do that? You're with me. You're going to you're gonna, you're gonna participate. Who's going to? Huh? You're already there. Wow. I love it be fully engaged, so you don't, have to, you don't have to close your eyes, but if it helps, all right? What are you? You are there. Based on what we just read, what do you see? What do you see? You're there. What are you seeing? Put yourself there, all right? We're going to try this together. Yes. Wow. So you don't have to imagine, you've seen it in real life. So so it's no problem for you to imagine this. That's that's pretty cool. I've never been. I one of these years I'm going to go to Israel. But so you're there, what are you seeing? Quickly, let's just rattle them off, real quick. Nothing, nothing super profound here, just want to get put us in the scene. Put us in the scene, what do you, what do you see? What do you hear? What do you, what do you smell? What's going on? What's here? Okay, what's that, Trina? There's people everywhere. You know, some people are bumping into you and they're, everybody's squirming to get a spot. What else are you experiencing, you're here? You're smelling the salt water. Yeah, what else is going on? You're hearing the waves, right? What else is going on you're here? We're getting there. We're there. Yeah, you're hearing the voice of Jesus. And now what might be going through your mind? I mean, you might be, you could be the first one that, this could be the first time you've heard him teach. You might have traveled a long way. and You're going to hear what he has to say, right? What else? Anything else? You're there. You're having this experience. What's going through your mind? What are you? What are you maybe hoping for? This is like how many of you grew up with. What was that the imagination station, right? Like I feel like we've grown. We've gone a little bit past that, you know. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, so you're not smelling salt water. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. The de- yeah. <laughs> that's funny the Dead Sea would be the Dead Sea would have salt but you're right sea galley would not you would not be smelling salt water that's a good one <laughs> fish there you go you might be smelling the fish yeah you hearing that Frank what are you gonna say A lot of seagulls. <laughs> so you're here in the seagulls. You're, in a, you're not in a church, right? You're not in a church. You're in a very natural environment. You're in an environment where you would spend your time, where you would spend your day, or where people are. See, you might see boats coming in and out. You might see people working, spending their day, doing what they do. And here's this big crowd of people just gathered here. Jesus climbs into the ship, and he sat in the sea, and everybody's by the sea on the land. So now you can't really get to him because you'd have to get wet to get to the boat. Jesus is sitting out in the boat and he starts to teach them. So now look at verse number verse number two. And he taught them many things by parables. I wonder what he taught them. We don't know. But we do know one of the things that he taught them. So apparently he's using all kinds of instruments in, illustrations and telling stories to capture their attention. And he said unto them in his doctrine, that just means that word doctrine It literally just means teaching. This is the teaching of Jesus. He said in verse number three, he said, he said, listen, hearken. Behold, there went out a sower to sow. This is a, this is a planter. This is someone sowing seeds in the ground. Everybody, pretty much everybody, would have had experience with planting, right? Whether, whether they were farmers or, or not, they would have taken some responsibility for planting and growing some of their own food. So they're very familiar with this, and it's an agricultural society, right? So they're very familiar with this. Now, it says that the sower goes, goes a-sowing, he goes planting, and it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. The fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Well, that wasn't very useful. Verse number five. And some fell on stony ground where there had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, some 100. And he said unto them, let's read this line out loud together. He said unto them, what? He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And everybody was, uh, okay? They didn't all get it. They didn't all understand what he's talking about. And that's okay. Maybe you're reading it now and you're like, I don't really, understand. what's the point? So somebody goes and they, they, they plant seeds, right? So we got to, some of us have been in church for a long time, others not so much, but we've got to kind of, we're looking at this from fresh perspective. So they don't know this whole, what Jesus is talking about. So they're expecting maybe a miracle, maybe uh, some, something, a healing, maybe something amazing. And Jesus says, let me tell you about a farmer. Well, the farmer went out And he planted seeds. And some of them, you know what happened to them? The birds ate them. Some of them, little sprouts sprung up, and then they died. The third seeds, well, they started to grow, but then all the weeds and thorns got around them and killed them. But some of the seeds fell in a good soil, and they brought forth lots and lots of fruit. If you have ears to hear, you need to hear what I just said. And what did people say? Like I said before, they didn't understand. They really didn't understand. But something very interesting happens to them, to him. Look at verse 10. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. Now, I think that is one of the key verses in this whole story, because again, we can assume that of that multitude, these are the people that are closest to Jesus. Now, in verse ten, we can assume in that multitude how many people understood what Jesus was talking about. Probably, what I would assume, none of them. If the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was saying, I would assume that none of them understood anything. They just sat there. They were Jesus was. They were interested in Jesus, but everything that he said just went. And so what did the what did the whole group of people then then do? What did they do? It doesn't say exactly so what do we so but we based on what happens next what do we assume happened to that whole huge multitude of people? They left. They left in what <laughs> they left scratching their heads. Yeah. They left in what condition? Yeah. That, like, that one was confusing. I don't understand it. They left not understanding. But there was a group that said, we need to get closer to Jesus. And I think that's really interesting in this verse. They weren't content. Don't we live in a time when people, they hear spiritual things and they just are like, well, I don't necessarily understand all that, so you know that's for other people. But this group, and it's not just the disciples. It's People that got closest to him, he said, "If you have ears to hear, you need to hear." And everybody else was like, oh, "I don't know what that means either," so I'm leaving. But these people are like, "There's something here." I think it's there's a humility of heart here, right? What else? What else would we would we? What, what other thoughts do you have on that? These people, this this new group, so that they want to understand. They desire. What else? Anything else? Okay. So I think it starts with this, that they realize the importance of who Jesus is. Remember, we've spent several weeks talking about who Christ is. If Jesus is such an important person, if he's such an important figure... Who is the one who gets to decide who he really is and what his teachings matter? Who gets to make that decision? He does. The only way to know about Jesus is to get close to him. We can't formulate our own opinions or our own agenda about it. We've got to be willing to submit to, well, what does he say? So let's see what happens next. So Jesus says to them in verse 11, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. There's, there's a group of people they don't want to know, they don't want to hear, and so to them the parable remains a mystery. Verse thirteen, he said unto them, Know ye not don't don't you know this parable? Then and how will you know all parables? Now here Here we go, verse 14. Now, Jesus is willing to explain the parable to the one who wants to hear. So he says in verse 14, The sower soweth the word. The sower soweth the word. So obviously, the farmer would represent anyone who's doing what? The farmer here, the sower, he represents anybody doing what? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody talking about Jesus? Anybody speaking about Jesus and pointing people to Jesus? The sower soweth the word. And so obviously the seed, the seed is God's word. It's the gospel of Christ that we're talking about. So now the that's the the farmer, the seed, and the path, or the the way, the ground, these are the people that are hearing it. These are the hearers. So verse 15. He describes the ones by the wayside. He says the the ones by the wayside are the ones where the word is sown. There's there's something planted in their life. But when they have heard, Satan comes when? Immediately. So some key key words here. When they have heard, Satan comes immediately, takes away that which was sown in their hearts. Okay? The next group. These are they likewise which are sown immediately on stony ground, who so when they have heard the word, there's a different immediate response here, immediately those people say what? Yeah, this is great, this is awesome, this, this message of Jesus, this is, this is amazing, they receive it with gladness, they're excited about it, they're joyful about it, but in verse 17 they have no what? Root. It just remains very surface level, very superficial. And because of that, difficulty comes, right? Affliction, persecution, for the world's sake and immediately. As soon as that happens, what happens? As soon as they're like, well, Jesus, I thought it was all sunshine and roses, and then difficulties come, they say, ah, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. Okay? Well, now let's look at the next group. Verse number... 17, or 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns. They hear the the word. They make even, it seems as if they make even more progress than some of the, the other groups, but, verse 19, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust or the desire for other things entering in, it chokes the word. And becomes unfruitful now verse 20 and these are they which are sown on good ground such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit some 30 some 60 and some 100 so this is a this is a the point of this this parable is for us for each person to look in their heart and to say well there's there's the seed is being sown, but how am I receiving it? How do I how do I receive the how do I receive the seed that's been sown? How am I receiving the word of God? So I just want to ask you a question. Let's take it. Let's take the let's take the um the parable and let's give some real life examples of what this would look at like. So remember the three the three types. The first one is the one that falls on what. The wayside. And what happens? The birds come and eat it. It says Satan immediately comes, takes the word away. The birds. What does this look like in real life? Somebody help me out here. And so Jesus says this is an example of how some people interact with God and his word and in the message of Jesus. So, so explain what do you think happens with this group um, where they are hearing it, but immediately. So if you could back us up to verse 15, James, that would be great. They immediately hear, Satan immediately take they hear, Satan immediately takes it away. So describe what happens in these scenarios. Maybe it happened to you at one point in your life before you became a believer. What is the what is the profile of this? How would you describe the profile of this person right here? Okay. Distracted. Okay. What are you you going to say, Jim? So, yes, somebody with no time. I I think that would be a good example. Somebody that's just like, my life is way too busy to think about all this church stuff. I think that's the, the kind of person... And Jesus is saying, hey, it's, that's Satan just snatching the word away. How, how else? I think there's other ways you could describe this person. It's like the, the, it doesn't even get anywhere. It doesn't penetrate at all. That's a really good one, too, because it's like they're preconditioned not to believe. If they've, got, they've been educated that way or pro, like intellectually programmed, so up, religion, religion-y sounding thing, no, 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 and it's just, boom, Satan takes it away, yeah. So it could be somebody that's just, they're not, the first group, they're not against spirituality, but they just don't have time for it. This group is more like hostile, nope, don't want to hear it, can't hear it. What else? How else? Yep. <laughs> <I've>, I <laughs> you didn't get, you did, did you get good grades in philosophy, or uh, just So that's a good point though, because I've talked with people. they say, you try to speak to them about Jesus, and they say, "Oh, well, listen, there are so many religions in the world. How could you ever know which one is right? So they use that as an excuse to just say what? I'm not going to listen at all. I'm not going to consider it." Well, the truth is there actually aren't that many religions in the world. There's only a few, of major ones. It would, you know, anyway, another topic for another time. How else, somebody, what else, what, what else would the profile look like of this person? They don't wanna, it just never gets anywhere. Skeptical person, yeah, they could just be skeptical. Right, yeah, it's similar to like what Patrick was saying. I would do another one that's similar to both of those, and that is a um, maybe somebody that's had a traumatic experience in their life, right? And because of that, because of what they've gone through, because of what they're dealing with, they've just made up their mind that there is no God or, or this or that, right? These are different profiles of people. Jesus says the seed is sown, but doesn't get anywhere. Now, does that mean there's no hope for them ever? No, of course not. But at this moment in their life, this it's seed by the wayside. But Jesus challenges, "Hey, if you have ears to hear, how are you receiving? How are you receiving the word?" Anything else before we move on to the next profile? I think those were good observations. So that's one possibility. Again, this is for us as we as whether people are uh, whether you're a believer or not, or you're trying to relate to people you want to share the gospel with. That's the first group. Now the second group, we move down to verse number 16. Now these people, they do make a little progress. They hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness, but there's no root. And when the difficulty comes, that's it. So what happened here? Give me some examples. Let's look at this profile a little bit. Who is, what's going on in this case? Yeah. That's true. There are people, they'll hear part of the message, if you heard what Deborah said. So it th- might be somebody that they like this part of Christianity, but they don't like this part. And so when they first get involved, when they first start hearing the word, the part that they like really appeals to them. But then pretty soon they read some things that that, that doesn't jive with how they feel. By the way, this is an interesting point that an author i like to read has pointed out. Which parts about the Bible you like and dislike depends entirely on your culture. For instance, in the United States and in Western civilization, what is the part of Christianity that almost everybody loves, that they like, they appreciate? The love of God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love, 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 love. They love it, right? Because our culture values that. But then what is the part about that people don't like? Sin, judgment, teachings about hell. Like, I can't accept any of that. But now you flip this completely around, and you go to a place like Iran, okay? Where people have a, a very different religious viewpoint, and it's the complete opposite. They believe in a God of wrath and justice and judgment. But the fact that there's a God who would just forgive people, would give himself to forgive, they're like, that doesn't make any sense to us. People need to pay for what they, see what I mean? Like, people are preconditioned to, that's why the Bible, the Bible just levels all cultural assumptions. Right? Jesus, Jesus hasn't come to fit into our American mold, right? or, our, or some other country's mold. Jesus came to set the mold. He is the He is the way, the truth, and life. So this could be a group of people that they get, they like it, but then something. No, I'm not comfortable with that. What else? What else would be another way to, another scenario for this group? They're they're on the stony ground, a little bit of root, but then. Hmm. So they say, well, God, I'm following you now, Jesus. So how come I don't have enough money to pay my bills? Or how come my, my partner still left? Or how come this bad thing happened in my life? You know, now I'm following you, Jesus, and difficulty still comes. Now, does Jesus just have a lot of teaching about how to deal with those scenarios? Of course he does. But they're not ready to receive that. It's just their experience with Jesus was about them. Yeah. Because it says in, can you go to verse 17 for me there? Um, because affliction or persecution, see that in the middle of the verse? So persecution comes along. And I've known many people who come along a little ways in, in giving their life to Christ only for like a family member or a close friend to say, I can't believe that you would, you believe that. Like you can't go, you can't, you, you can't do that. And, and The Holy Spirit, Jesus, is starting to do a work in their heart, but pressure from other people derails their spiritual progress. It's happened many times. It's a good one. That's a good point. Anything else? This, this, This person, what is his profile? Okay. Let's go to the last one. Well, it's not the last one. It's the last bad one. Then there's the good one. Okay. So, now we go to verse number 18. The ones who are, their seed is planted among thorns. We hear the word. He cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things enters in, chokes the word, and they become unfruitful. This is an interesting one, but let me get your thoughts on it first. I've got some additional thoughts, but, but go ahead. What, what do we think about this profile? Describe this one. Right? The rich young ruler we looked at last week. Yeah. So, yes, Jesus comes, says, hey, you can, you, in me, you have eternal life, forgiveness, all of that. But when you turn to Jesus, and G- does, Jesus doesn't ask anything of us except to turn to him. But by default, when you turn to him, you are doing what? Yeah, you're turning away from the the whole point of repentance isn't that you have to change your life. It's that you are now willing for your life to be changed by Jesus. And that's the thing that, that people don't understand about repentance, how it works. It's not something I do, but it must be present. So when somebody says, you know what? Yes, who I was before Christ, who I was before Christ was not good. doesn't mean I didn't have any you know, good human qualities about me, I'm not saying that, but before God, who I was 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 sinful and wrong, and now I turn to Jesus, Jesus wants to make a new person out of me. But like Kathy said, what happens is they start to make that turn, and as they make that turn toward Christ, before they fully get there, there's a pull from the world. What does that look like sometimes? Okay, we'll get to that in a minute, but yeah. Does that look is somebody that they, they, they just don't make? Maybe it's an addiction, that's got a hold on them, right? Maybe it's a maybe it's yeah. Yeah. Well, it could be their, their. It, yeah, it might not be. So, I like. I'm glad you brought that up because it might not be something so diabolical, right? Yeah, they could be chasing the American dream. Nice house, two cars, good job, going on plenty of vacations, and they're worried that. Well, if I follow Jesus, what if this changes? And what if that changes? And what about that? That's that's why he says just in the in the middle of the verse, and the lusts of other things, just stuff, the, the, the things in my life. Huh? From that song, yeah. I dare, um, I dare not trust the sweetest frames, yeah, but holy trust in Jesus' name. That's, that's good. That's why we're given these songs, by the way, to teach us. You know, we remember the lyrics and, we, and we, we're like, hey, there's a spiritual truth there. Um, there's an old song. It doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of It doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense in our culture today, but it's from, the, I think, the early 1900s um, about how wonderful Jesus is. And it says, He's all my fancy pictures, fairest dreams, and so much more. Each day he grows still sweeter than he was the day before. You're like, fancy picture? Well, like, what in the world? Well, that's the point. In that day, people, they're buying big, fancy clothes and fancy decorations. And and it, it's been a human problem forever that we want the things that this life can give us. We forget we're created for something far greater. You've probably heard this, but, but maybe some of you haven't. So it's probably the most often repeated quote from C.S. Lewis, you know, I mean, C.S. Lewis is a great Christian writer from the early uh, part of the last century, and this is probably his most famous example of this. He describes a person who's more interested in the world than Jesus as a child growing up in the slums, playing with mud pies, and perfectly content to play with their mud pies, because they cannot imagine what a vacation at the seashore would be like. What a great illustration, right? And that's the picture of the situation of the the person in the world. They're just like, no, I I want my mud pie. I want this, this is really, like this is, I'm building my little, my life here. I'm building my life. And Jesus offers far greater than the vacation at the seaside. He offers eternal life, purpose, meaning, fulfillment in life. But in order to receive it, I have to be willing to let go of what I think is most important. And so, Jesus says, these are the ones who, the, these, or, these desires come in, and it chokes the word, it becomes unfruitful. I think there's another application here, too, though. I think this is also a danger for people who are Christians. They have, they've made it through these other stages, they're planted in Christ, they're growing, but it doesn't say that the, in this one, and people have interpreted this different ways, but I, I just think this is a helpful application. I think with this one, the, the, the plant is still there, but it's become what? Unfruitful. It hasn't withered up and died. It's not gone. So the plant's been established, but I think Christians, we, those of us who are believers in Christ, these same things can creep into our lives. Like Karina said in backsliding, we, we revert back to some old habits. We can't lose our salvation in Christ, but we can lose our fruitfulness, our effectiveness for Christ. And then of course is the last one. The the wonderful one. Verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground. They hear the word, they receive it. And they bring forth fruit. Some are thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. They bring forth fruit. What does that look like? Somebody that, what what is the what is the, the fruitful life? Sharing the word of God. Okay. What else? What is this? Like describe this person. They they've heard the word, they've received it, and now they bring forth fruit. Now it's interesting. They don't all bring forth the same fruit, right? You know, there's there's super producers. <laughs> there's there's the 30s, the 60s, the 100s. Jesus isn't really primarily concerned with the number of fruit. The point is that they're fruitful. They're fruitful. I've they got all these blueberry bushes, and some of them are just like bursting with fruit. Some of them, they've just got a little fruit. You know what? I don't go by complaining about I just like all the fruit. Let's just pick all the fruit. Let's enjoy it. So, But what is the fruitful life? What is that? Describe that. You want God's will, sure, not your own will. And then what does that result in here? What, how would you describe this fruitful life? Okay, you're gonna be a witness? I, yeah, you're gonna, fruit produces more, you know, you become fruit. But what is the Bible, like, the most, uh, the most common usage of fruit, for the example, is the fruit of the Spirit, right? Is a fruitfulness of our spirit, like our nature begins to change. And we produce different desires, we produce different um, attitudes and different actions, and our life now lives for a greater purpose. And so yes, we may be witnessing, we should be, we should be sharing our faith, but there's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, I get them all out of order, but I think I got most of them there, kindness. These are fruits. It's a fruitful life. It's, an, a, it's, a, it's a life that matters eternally. It's a life that doesn't just matter for here and now. But Jesus says, I want, to, I want you to have a life that is just bursting with fruitfulness, production for my glory and for my kingdom. And that's what we're, call, we're called into, not just getting through this life, but experiencing life abundantly. Abundantly. Some people understand that Jesus is the greatest treasure in the world. So we've got to ask ourselves a question, and if you want to just go to the very last notes on the back page, I skipped the video this week, so no Rico for us this week. But if you look at the last part here, and you look back over maybe your life or maybe this course, are there times in your life when some of the word has been taken from you, when you haven't been the good soil, yeah. And what moments does that? I mean, I'm not asking anybody for like a deep moment of confession or anything or publicly, but just generally speaking, at what what types of times in your life has that kind of happened? I'll tell you, for me, when I become less receptive of the word, it's because I have it's busyness. It's just like, oh, this is going on, that's going on, lots of, lots and lots of things that are going on in my life. And the word just starts to get snatched away. And that's as a Christian. Maybe you have something from before you were a Christian, something kept you from Christ for a while. Anybody, quick uh, example or testimony on that? Okay. Right away. Yeah. I wonder how many people that, especially those of you got saved as teenagers or adults who came to Christ, how many of you, as soon as you made that decision to trust Christ, there was some kind of major temptation like that? Something that almost was sidetracked. Yeah, it's very common. And then the last question is this, at this moment in your life, Which type of soil would you say the best describes you, where you're at? Is there a humility to your heart? Is it more, Jesus, you teach me from your word? Or is it, well, this is how I think things should be. This is how I think it ought to be. Jesus says, he doesn't say, let him who has a mouth speak, right? He says, let the one who has ears hear and listen. Let's be listeners by the word. Yeah. That's good. Absolutely. Amen. All right, let's take some time now and let's go to prayer. I'll I'll close the, let's close the lesson though with prayer tonight. Dear God, we thank you that we've just had this time to look at your word together. I pray that you would help each of us to just humble our hearts before you. And Lord, help us to be, I, I, Lord, first I pray for those who, who are struggling to truly receive you. I pray that you'd open their hearts and open their minds to, for them to put their full faith in you. And then I pray for us, I pray that you'd help us all that are Christians to be sowers, to be planters, to, to be looking for opportunities to speak to others lovingly about you and your goodness and your salvation. Again, we thank you, Lord, for this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll- we are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you saw questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.